Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're with us. Um, so I have a question for the day. How many feel like they got that extra sleep, that hour of sleep in the morning this week? I did. I love, I mean, they, they trick us into thinking, oh, you get an extra hour. And I'm like, ah, the time is still the same. So, but um, I love fall for the fallback because I love that time clock um, for that. But anyway, welcome this morning. We're so glad that you were with us. And um, this morning, we would just love for you to um, stand, let's worship the Lord, and um, we're going to have some worship, and we're going to have some time of just great things for today. We're going to be doing communion. We're going to be having like our Friendsgiving, y'all. If you're visiting with us, you get to visit once, and then you become family, so... um, Welcome to Fram Jam 2023. So um, we're glad you're with us. So um, let's pray. What we know this morning is that um, globally there is the honoring and the celebration, and it's actually called True Religion Sunday, but it is about um, no more orphans, and it's about the adoption of vulnerable children are fostering into homes and being loved and cared for. And this morning during our prayer time, one of the things that we really sensed was that if you feel like you've just got your life is in a mess, well, what I love about the word this morning for you is that just invite him into your mess. He wants to help you. And then there was this other beautiful picture of how um, in adoption that the papers and everything's ready and it's ready to be signed. And in that process... The people who are adopting sign, and then also the people who are being adopted sign. And so, um, you know, that's just, that's, that, that's real life, y'all. That's mamas and daddies parenting and, like, taking care of kids. Let's, let's just look, look at what's going on. So, but just for us this morning, we want you to know that the Bible says that we have been given the spirit of adoption whereby we may cry out, Abba, Father. And Abba is nearness, it's closeness, it's intimate, it's um, being joined. And so this morning, there's an invitation to you that this adoption that the Lord has invited you into, that you get to say yes to that this morning. So will you stand with me and let's begin to just worship the Lord. We're going to welcome his presence with us. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. Um, Lord, we love that, Jesus, you said that you would not leave us as orphans. You knew that you were going away. You were returning to the Father from where you had come. But you said, oh, to encourage your disciples that had been with you for years. There was, a, there was this declaration that you made over them that I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send Holy Spirit to be not only with you, but to be in you. So, Lord, thank you for the seal of the adoption by the Holy Spirit, Lord, that is our guarantee of this great love that you have for us this morning, Lord. So, Father, we welcome you. We turn our hearts' affection and adoration to you this morning to just love on you and to be loved on by you. Lord, we welcome you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you withheld nothing to restore us to your heart, Lord. Father, thank you that you have proven your great love for us and the value that we are to you by giving your son to redeem and restore everything that was stolen in the garden. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a love that is limitless. It's unchanging. It's immeasurable. Lord, thank you that the love of God speaks to us today, Lord, and draws us near and draws us close. Lord, we worship you and we honor you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to ask Jen and Jeremy to come up. We're going to do communion this morning as a family. morning we're just going to shift our focus from worship and just let this continue to be an act of worship as we take communion this morning even if it was only for one of us him going to the cross and his body being broken and his blood poured out he said it would have been enough just for one of us the fact he did it for all of us is even more overwhelming so, Abba, we give you praise, honor, and glory this morning. We thank you that, that you went to the cross, Jesus. That your body was broken and your blood poured out for each and every one of us. And that the blood covenant that bought our salvation and our freedom and our healing is once and for all finished and settled. And we give you glory. So we do communion as a family, not by church membership or anything like that. We call it open communion. So if you are a believer this morning, we just invite you to come to the table, come through the center, down to the sides and up. Parents, if you've got littles and that looks to be about half of who's assembled this morning, <laughs> if you haven't looked around, there's a lot of youngins. Um, we encourage parents, at your discretion, we let our girls participate and commune with us as well because it is a reminder to them as well of why Jesus did what he did and what God sacrificed for us. So as the music plays, we'll just have everyone come forward down through the center and then just go back to your seats. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you to do in the remembrance of me. As we take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Father, we do. We do this in remembrance of you. 
we give thanks to you, Father, for the blood that was shed on the cross, Lord, that washes away all our sins. Not one is left. So we can stand before you righteous, Lord. Not in our own righteousness, Lord God, but in yours, Father. And Lord, for the body that was broken, Lord. Lord, for the body that was broken for us. But Lord, not only for the body that was broken, but the body that was raised again, that was raised in new life, Father God. For the promise to come, Lord God, that one day we will stand with you in glory that we will stand with you in new bodies, Father, when sin and death and sickness have passed away, Father God, and we get to proclaim your name holy forevermore, Father. We thank you and we praise you, Lord God. Every time we do this, every time we come together, Lord God, we lift your name on high. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Awesome. Uh, Jeremy, I thought you were going to preach, man. That was all. That was really good, man. <laughs> Um, if you are new here today, first of all, we just say thank you guys. We're so glad you guys are here. Today is Friendsgiving, and part of that, I think call, uh, Karen started calling it Fram Jam, where friends become family. <laughs> so that's our heart, obviously, is to see that happen, uh, see friendships turn into family. And uh, a big part of who we are as DCF is, is all about belonging. Uh, we have this phrase that we use sometimes. It says that you can belong here before you believe and before you behave. Some of you guys are like, that's in the wrong order, but it's not. That's the way the kingdom works. You can belong. You can be a part of us. You can connect. You can, you can never decide to believe in Jesus. I hope you do. I, I pray you do. Um, but we're going to preach into that and love on you well and, and represent him as well as we possibly can so you can believe in what he did for us, as Jeremy so eloquently put it during communion. Um, but you can be a part of us, and you can have friendship, and you can connect, and we can help, and you can help. There's just so many things apart about being a community that's so valuable, especially in our day and age. And so we love that. So you can, you can belong before you be, believe or behave, and, and that's important, and we have to remember that. But as we move forward as a body, part of what Jesus called us to do is to be members in particular. The Bible says members of one another, members of the body. And the way you do that is just one requirement for that, and that's to have a vital walk with Jesus, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says when we do that, something happens inside of us. We get a new heart, we get a new, um, we get a new direction, we get a new life, and everything begins to change. Um, so this morning we're going to do membership, and so uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to ask, we've asked people who to go and check out the website. We have a, about three messages and about us and two membership classes that we talk through about what that looks like, like to be a part of us, a member of this local church in particular, and we have some expectations. I won't get into those. If you're interested, we're going to do some classes in the future. You can check that out on the website, but those of us who have already done that and you're going to be members this morning, you're, you've decided to join with us, uh, Vital Walk with the Lord. Uh, according to how scripture says it, not our own personal opinion. That's how we, that's how we kind of put it. Um, everything else in the expectation that we would grow and mature in Jesus. But if that's you this morning, we've already talked to some of you guys. If that's you, would you go ahead and make your way on up here to the front? And, and if you'll just stand down here in the front, we're going to have our elders come up as well and stand around you, our, our, our pastors, if, if you will, just come up and stand around them. Y'all come on up. Dave and Callie, I thought you guys were coming up to be members, and y'all did that last week, so that's good. That's because they're elders in our church. <laughs> we did legacy membership last night, and, and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and what we're going to do today is we're just going to, y'all come on up. Yeah, come on up. Y'all come in front, and we're going to back up a little bit, and we're just going to pray for you. Y'all come right up here in the front. Awesome. Thank you, guys. If you will, face that direction. Come on over into the middle. Come on over here. 
Come into the light. That's <laughs> a lot of requirements, actually, in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> so these guys have chosen to, to, to join with us, um, and the truth is they've already been doing that, of course. Um, they've joined with us in, in many ways long before they ever stood up here. But part of what they're doing is just say, hey, I just want to be all in. I want to be counted. Um, and they count on us as leaders and elders and deacons as we love them and lead them in the direction God's called our local church to, to go. But we just want to celebrate this. We love that their heart is for us and here. And again, we just want to celebrate them. So let's just give them a hand. Thank you guys for being a part of us. And now, if you will, just kind of put your hand towards them and, as, and join me as we pray over these guys. So, Heavenly Father, first of all, we just say thank you for family, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, um, that this is something that you do, and it's beautiful to behold. Lord, there's nothing like it in my experience in all the world. I've traveled all over the world, literally, Lord, and I've never seen anything like the body of Christ. Everywhere I've gone, when I've met believers, Lord, they feel like family. It's incredible. And so, Jesus, we just celebrate these guys. Lord, we pray that you would guide them. Lord, give us strength and wisdom as leaders to lead them into every bit of inheritance that you have in them, Lord, through Christ. And so, Lord, we just celebrate them, honor them, and give them plenty of room to walk in the fullness of their inheritance as we move forward together as a body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Praise God. Uh, we are so thankful that you're joining us this morning, and um, we are going to be gathering testimonies over the next few weeks, and if you have a testimony of what the Lord has done in your life um, through this year, we would love to just hear that from you. You can go to our website and do a testimony form, fill that out. It's basically, what was the struggle that you had, and what were you asking the Lord for, and how to answer it, and then... What are you trusting the Lord for going into the new year of 2024? So Travis and Marcy, many of y'all are going to be like, we hear financial testimonies from them like all the time. And so, um, and there's a reason for that. So they're going to be sharing a testimony today about just how God has uh, just provided for them over the years in their giving. And just um, from our, um, if you missed the message last week, I would encourage you go back and listen to that. Um, because it's about vision, where we're going, the purpose of giving, and, you know, um, four different categories where you may find yourself this morning that you're not giving anything. You know, there was the challenge to give something because everyone gives. Everyone serves in this house. And, um, you know, so if you're already a generous, generous giver, then it's like giving sacrificially sometimes. So just listen to that message. It was really good. So thanks, Travis and Marcy. They're just going to share some stuff about their story. Hey guys, um, I want to uh, start this with a couple of scriptures. Um, I think Dave shared these last week, but they're so good. Um, the first one is Luke 6:38, and this is from the message. Give away your life, you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So um, when Dave approached us last week and asked us to share um, our financial testimony, um, 
in his message on being a generous giver, um, it was fitting that the day before we had actually gone through a box of paperwork that we were shredding. Um, and it dated back about 15 years. And in this paperwork, we were coming out of the recession. We looked at the paperwork. We were behind on everything. Mortgage, car, we had medical bills, credit cards, loans, you name it. Um, but as we were shredding paperwork, we came across our taxes, and our giving record was in there, and we still gave, even in those hard times. And the Lord provided for us in those hard times. I'm sure there were times we reluctantly gave. Um, we probably weren't cheerful givers, but, but we still gave, and the Lord honored that. <laughs> um, and so... I found another sheet of paper that showed how much money when we first were married that we made those social security paperwork they used to mail to you. The very first year that we were married, we lived on $7,000. The next two to three years, we lived on $9,000 a year. And I remember those times we still gave when we felt like we had nothing to give. And the Lord always provided. He, he sent meals diapers. I remember people walking up to Travis at church, sticking money in his pocket like, I want your boys to have a good Christmas. So he always took care of us. Um, so fast forward to when we're here at DCF. We've been here eight years now. And shortly after we came, we listened to a financial testimony. And Travis was working. I was sitting right down here, literally on the edge of my seat, and it was this testimony about the Lord's provision and how he provided for this family in supernatural ways. And I said, Lord, I want that. I want that for our family. So I asked Dave and Karen, can I make a list of all the supernatural miracles that the Lord has done for us since we've been here at DCF in eight years? So I'm trying to make this short, you guys, but it's good stuff, good stuff. So when we first started coming to church here, Travis was working 80 hours a week. He was rarely here on Sundays. We were, he was busting it to make ends meet, and he was tired. He said, I'm tired of working 80 hours a week, and his boss came to him. He recognized Travis was working it uh, more than he should, and he said, you know, it's time for you to step back, only work your 40 hours, and that year, you guys, Travis made more money working half the time, and that's the most money he had ever made that we were together. And so I, that still blows my mind how that even happened. Um, the first 10, 11 years we were married, we did not have health insurance. We both had surgeries. We had children. We had medical bills. We were faithful to make our payments through the years. And the hospital mailed us a letter, and they said, because you've been faithful to make your payment, we're writing off everything that you owe. And this was thousands of dollars, you guys. Not just a little bit. Thousands. Um, let's see. Sorry, I made notes. Our son graduated high school, moved to Tuscaloosa to go to college. And he did not have a working car. He literally hitchhiked to Tuscaloosa and back. We didn't know who he was going to get a ride with. Someone approached him gave him a car, not just any car, a nice car. They made sure new tires were on it. Um, he was able to use this car all through college to drive to work and to, um, to get back and forth to Dothan. Um, the Lord provided a way for me to expand my business. I'm self-employed, and this was, this was a hard one for me to, um, 
to really trust him because I knew I would have to borrow money if I was going to expand my business. And I finally said yes to the Lord, and he told me, he said, I've been waiting on you to say yes. I've already taken care of everything. Y'all, within a week, I had an investor that paid for everything. We were able to build me a building, get inventory, buy machines. And he told me, he said, you do not have to, you know, worry about making payments just when you can, no interest. I was able to pay him off in two years. So my business is debt-free. And... um. So let's see. Uh, In 2019, we had just finished taking the Dave Ramsey course, probably the the year before. And we got serious about wanting to um, do our budget. And Travis's heart has been to pay our house off, get out of debt, pay the house off. Uh, So I would say probably September 2019, we started uh, just plugging away, doing what we need to do. And in six months, COVID hit. My business came to a halt. His business came to a halt. But we, we had been so blessed by the Lord that we had enough money to live on, even with our businesses coming to a complete halt. And had we not been doing what we knew to do with biblical finances, um, that wouldn't have happened. But the Lord was so good to, to um, speak to Travis, you know, about that. And um, we ended up last summer, uh, owing some back taxes because his business did so well during COVID. Um, And it was several thousand dollars, but the Lord sent us a check out of the blue that was double what we owed on taxes. So not only were we able to pay our taxes, we were able to pay off our credit cards. And um, then we were left to our house. And so Travis was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to pay our house off. Y'all, this year, on his birthday of all days, we were able to pay our house off. So we are completely debt-free. And it's just so cool to see when you lock arms with the Lord and you co-labor with him and you ask him what he wants you to give. You know, when you give cheerfully, he will supernaturally meet your needs. Um, you don't ever have to worry. I mean, there's there's been times we didn't know how we'd pay a bill or eat a meal, but he provided, and he's just, he's such a good father, and he's so, so good to his children, so just be encouraged. Amen. How many of you need a financial breakthrough? If you need that, I want you to stand in this house. What a testimony is, is an invitation into the Lord's kindness, his nature, and his goodness, and They started their journey hearing a financial testimony of someone like just, she shared that at the beginning, and it was Mason Ashley Hardman, for those of you who know them. They heard a testimony of their financial provision from the Lord. And so they said, Lord, I want that. Because when you hear a testimony, it is a prophetic invitation into who the Lord is and what his nature is for you. And so if you would like to have some financial breakthrough, we'd love to pray for you. If you would stand, um, yeah, y'all stand up. Nobody wants financial breakthrough? Well, I'll stand up for all of us. So I don't know about the rest of y'all. So, Father, I just thank you for these testimonies of financial provisions that are supernatural. God, I've lived it in my own life time and time again. 
And Lord, we thank you that your favor and your love is just, this is the invitation into who you are for us, Lord, that you are the God who provides. You are our source. So Lord, we bless you and we look for expe- with expectation for more testimonies of your goodness in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. Um, you can give generously on our website. The QR code is up on the front, or you can go to dothancf.com. Um, you, if you're new with us this morning, we're so glad that you are joining us. And um, stay with us for Friendsgiving. There is plenty of food for everybody. We're going to have some family fun games. You can hang out, connect, talk, just um, get to know one another. And um, uh, if you are new, we'd love for you to go to dothancf.com, do a connection card. Someone from our leadership team will be in touch with you, hear a little bit about your story, where you are, how we can come alongside you, um, and where you are in your journey, um, just in your walk with the Lord. And Christmas hope, y'all, I just want to just celebrate you guys from last week. Our tree was full of tags for Fostering Hope Kids, and every tag was taken. Um, So, well done, you guys. We are so thankful. You are very generous. So, I love how we partner in our community to love our community um, well. And then our Friendsgiving, I said it's today. It's right after service. We'll have to kind of like tweak some things because the weather outside. So just have a pause, you know, moment as we set up tables and chairs and be a part of actually helping to set up the tables and chairs. So um, next week, for those of you who are familiar, we love Northlands Church. It's a church that we connect with that we planted from in Atlanta. And um, next week, they are going to have Kira and Callie Taylor. He is a true fivefold evangelist that sees signs and miracles um, and has seen blind eyes open, deaf ears. And so um, all throughout the um, African continent, surrounding South Africa and around the world. So if you want to be a part of that, there are details on our website, their website. um, And the service is going to start at 5. So if you're going to that, I know David and I are going. Some other people have said they're going, but we'd love for you to participate with that if you would like to. We're going to dismiss our kids and our youth this morning. Youth are going with the Woodhams that direction. Kids are coming with me and Miss Sarah going that direction. So, And David's going to be right back with a message for us. All right. Good morning, everybody. I am uh, preaching a message this morning called Unselfish Yourself. <laughs> So it's a bit of a tongue twister, I know that. Uh, it'll make sense as I kind of go along. Um, there's a scripture in Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.23, that talks about us, all of us, how we are uniquely gifted and made, but very specifically how we're all the same. And so this is a really interesting scripture. It says, and the God of peace himself sanctify or set apart, set apart you holy. So it's talking about making us whole, right? And it says, and may your spirit and your soul, and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And so the the gist of that scripture is is about becoming whole and walking in wholeness, but it's interesting, it points out that we are a tripart being, that we're more than, you know, like it's it's interesting when you think about yourself, the fact that you can think about yourself makes you unique in all of the animals on the planet. Like I love my little dog, there's two of them, I love one of them more than the other, I won't tell you which one, but my wife knows. And, uh, but <laughs> both of them are amazing little doggies. I love them to death. But they don't sit around and ponder about what's going on in their own life. Right? They're just literally completely instinctual. Maybe your dog or cat does. I don't know. But my dog does it. And so there, there's something unique about us in that there's something that we can think about ourselves. We, we have a soul. We, um, 
We have a mind, we have a physical body, but the Bible says we are a spirit. That's what he designed us to be. And before we know Christ, before we become a believer, the Bible says that we are dead in our sins. And what it means by that is we're alive in our physical body, we're alive in our soul, which is like our mind, will, and emotions, but we are dead spiritually. And so God wants to restore all aspects of that. As a matter of fact, the word salvation in, in the original language in the Bible, it literally means wholeness. It means whole in body, whole in soul, and whole in spirit. And so that's the, that's the promise of that scripture is God's design for us and his desire for us is to be whole. So a lot of us as believers, we focus a lot on the spiritual thing. We come alive in our spirit. We begin to grow in our spirit. Our relationship with God begins, begins to get powerful. We read scripture. We learn God's nature and his kindness. We experience his presence. And a lot of amazing things happen. We use our mind, of course. We used our bodies this morning to come to the, to the building where we all come together and worship. By the way, the building's not the church. We are, right? So, but we came together physically. We got here. We, used, we, we told our body. My body did not want to get up this morning. Um, I had to get up a little bit early, but my body didn't want to do it, but I made my body do it, right? I used my iPhone to make my body do it. And so <laughs> it got up and, and I put it, I said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And we got here, right? So as, 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 as Christians, what we'll do a lot of time is put a lot of emphasis on the spirit. But what we often don't do is think about our, our physical bodies and our souls. And, and in, unfortunately, that's a big mistake. And so, so there's this interesting concept nowadays called self-care. Anybody seen or heard self-care or read a book recently about self-care? And it's desperately needed, especially after COVID, all the challenges we got in our culture and our society. Um, but, it, but it can be a little bit self, self-centered, right? And so I, I actually just Googled this online in the first Google page for resources for self-care. There was a list, and I love it. And this was the list. It said, if you want to self-care, breathe in fresh air, snuggle under a cozy blanket, uh, listen to running water, sit outdoors by a fire pit watching the flames and listening to the night sounds, take a hot shower, a warm bath, cuddle with a pet, <laughs> burn a scented candle. I'm not sure I want to do that, but in the last one is pay attention to your breathing. And what's interesting about all these is most of them are first world opportunities, right? Like I don't, I don't see someone in a third world country uh, worrying about burning a scented candle, right? So, so the, the challenge with all these also is they all originate in us. Isn't that interesting? It's like it doesn't talk about, you know, hey, maybe go to church or hey, you know, read an inspiring book. It doesn't, it doesn't go after that. Most of the self-care is really all about you have to take care of yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't start that way. So I want to talk about today about what does it look like to unselfish yourself? What is it God's trying to do in us to make us whole, to be whole as, as a person, and to take care of ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that, but the way we go about it may be a little bit different than the way we've been taught in the past. So now, I don't mistrust the Bible at all. I believe the Bible's the Word of God, and most of you guys do as well. But I, I was interested to see what, um, what chat GPT, some of you guys know the new AI thing that's floating around out there, what chat GPT and a Bible version of chat GPT, which is called BibliChat, I think is fun, um, I asked him a question about what's the most important thing, right? Or the most important commandment. And that's a question that a lawyer, um, a studier of the Bible, of God, uh, the Bible at that time, the Old Testament, asked Jesus in Matthew 22. And both of those, uh, Chat GPT and BibliChat, both brought up the same thing. So even, even AI knows that there's one big commandment, there's one most important thing, and this is it. It's in Matthew 22, 35. And it says this one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, talking about Jesus. It's a teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment of the law? Remember the Old Testament, 613 laws. Uh, we, we know about the 10, most of us, but 613. And Jesus replied and said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he said, if you want to take all of the Old Testament and, and find out what it's all about, it, all of that hangs on those two commandments. And the most important one starts with love God with everything. Your heart, mind, soul, body, soul, and spirit is another way of putting that. So the first one is love God. That one makes sense. But the question is, how do you express love to God? How do you love God? Right? It's a great question. Um, so do you just tell him, I love you? You say, God, I love you. Or do you sing praises to him? I imagine we all do that to some degree. And they're great things. But the biblical concept of love is an action first, emotion second command. So let this sink in for a second. We talk about love, and oftentimes the way we express love is we talk about how love feels. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, except for the Bible speaks about love, and it says if you're going to love God, you're going to love each other. The way you do that is you have to do something to love people. You have to love God, you need to obey God. How do you show God that you love him? And the answer is you obey him, right? So love God with all your mind. All your, so it goes after this in every aspect of your being to love God. And so the, the phrase I want to kind of leave you with this in, in understanding this best is that how do we even do that? We're going to get that in just a second. How do we do that well? And, and especially when we're just learning how to obey God. We read scripture. Where if we're not careful, we start saying, you know, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to love God. And I, and I hear all that. And, and at, at the end of the day, we know that the way to love God is to do what he says, to obey him. But how often do we actually really do that, right? And so I'm going to get to that in just a second. But I want to I just present this phrase to you, and I wrote it down so I'd get it right. Desire for obedience grows as we continue to experience his love. So what does that mean? When I see how God has loved me, that's, that's how I actually learn how to love him. I see what actions he's taken in my life to show his love to me. Because remember, he's the one who, who, who initializes love. He's the one who, who designed love. He's the one that created love. He, he, the Bible says he actually is love. Not just he loves, he literally is love. And so however he acts towards us, that's what love looks like. And so, of course, we know one way he did that was he, went, um, he, he sent his only begotten son to go to the cross on our behalf. A.W. Tozer, a famous Bible teacher, he said something interesting about the difference between just like um, loving as a feeling and love as an action. He said it this way. He said, the driver on the highway is safe, not when he reads the signs, but when he obeys them. Isn't that interesting? So it's not just about knowing the right thing to do. And that so often in our culture, we, we put a lot of emphasis on knowing the right thing to do. It's a lot about information. We learn more nowadays than any other generation has in all of humanity. Um, you know, we get more information in a day than our great-great-grandparents got in an entire year, and some of them in their entire life. And that's, that's wild to think about, right? It's exciting. It's wonderful. We see a lot of transition but if we're not careful, we buy into the concept of the way the world thinks about love and the way the world does it. And the way that looks like is it's a lot about feeling. You hear people say, um, young people say, I fell in love. Like, no, you don't fall in love, you fall in a ditch. That's what you do, right? You, you decide to love. Then you feel love. There are times when I don't love you. There are times when you don't love me. The truth is you still love me. You're just not feeling it. 
but you still obey and, and you're kind and you're good and you serve and you do all those things. Same thing my wife and I. There are times when I don't feel love towards her and she doesn't feel it towards me. We're irritated at each other, whatever. I know that never happens to you guys, but it happens to Karen and I sometimes. But what does that look like? It's we decide to love anyway. Not because we feel it, because it's an action, not an emotion. So you, you, have to, you have to love God. God says, this is the greatest commandment. The most important thing is to love God. And the second thing is like it, he said. He said, the second commandment, you hang all the law and everything on these two. First is love God with everything you are. Second is, anybody know it? Love your neighbor. But, but that's out of order because the English language is wonky. There's just no two ways about it, right? It says, love your neighbor as yourself. So actually, the syntax is wrong. So we love our neighbor, but that actually comes after how we love ourselves. So the Bible's all about self-care. It's all about loving yourself, but it, but it doesn't start with you. And that's the most important thing to remember as we walk away. How do you love yourself? And the truth is you can't love your neighbor until you've loved yourself. You just can't. You'll, you'll get it all kinds of wrong. And, and, and to try to love yourself without knowing God, you will never actually even know who you are because all of the truth about who we are individually and as humanity comes from the one who created us and designed us. And so if we try to start somewhere outside of the source, start in the middle, as it were, rather than the source, we're going to get it wrong. So we got to get this in the right order. Love God first. And when we begin to do that and recognize who he is and see his nature and how he's loved us, it makes it much easier to love him. And as we do that, we learn how to love ourselves. So love God, love yourself, and then we can love our neighbor. So again, the commandment was love God first, love your neighbor as yourself. And we often miss it because, again, you cannot give away something you have not received yourself. You cannot love people unconditionally until you have been loved unconditionally. So Karen and I figured that out in, uh, in our first year of marriage uh, we met in the 12th, uh, sorry, in the, in the seventh grade. We were 12 years old. I still remember the day she came into uh, to our history class, one of those portable, anybody have a portable classroom? So we were in a portable classroom, Mr. Wilson's history class. She walks in, oh, class, we have a new student today. And I was like, yes, we do. And she comes over, <laughs> she sits down about three or four chairs in front of me. And I, I still remember, I, I thought inside of my head, I would like to see her socially sometime. There were some other thoughts. I'm not going to get into those, but she had hair way down to here. It, she was, still is beautiful. When you look at her yearbook, she looks the same she did in high school, and all of her friends hate her for it. But here's the thing. When I saw her, I felt something, but it was not love. <laughs> I would say it was, but it wasn't. And so eventually, we, we, after, uh, after school, I went to college and started going to college, realized I, I was too poor to afford college, did not want to take out a student loan, so I, I joined the military. And all that process, Karen and I had started dating after high school. We'd been friends throughout high school with a bunch of group. And then we got married, and then I went to training, and then we went overseas together, which was, turns out was a wonderful thing. We got away from our, both of our dysfunctional families. We ended up overseas, but our source of understanding about marriage came from our dysfunction. And so it took about a year before we were either going to kill each other or divorce each other, okay? And the reason was is we were both so selfish. Mostly Karen, but I was a little selfish. <laughs> <laughs> 
Y'all notice she ain't in here right now. She's back in kids' church. <laughs> so, so, but I got it all wrong because I did not, I thought I understood love. Like, I mean, I'd seen all the movies. I didn't read any books. I didn't like to read books at that time, but I'd seen movies. I knew what love was. I mean, come on, how hard can it be, right? And so it took about a year. And again, we were on the verge, literally on the verge of divorce. And, uh, and we, got, we had an encounter with God, got saved, moved into a community of godly people, and we began to see what real marriages look like, what real love looked like. And it turns out it started with God, and, it, and the next thing we understood about it, it was unselfish. And the way I know that is, what, how did God show me his love? He sent his son. Jesus decides to come to the earth and lay down his life on my behalf. He showed me how much he loved me by serving me. See how that works? And so then I, I learned, okay, I need to serve Karen. And I'm like, I don't even like Karen right now. Why would I serve her, right? And so the answer was because God had done that for me. And that revelation of, of who he was and who, how he had loved me made me love him. And then it taught me how to love other people. But I had to learn to love me first. I had to be valuable enough to, to, to recognize that I had something to bring to the relationship, right? I had to see myself accurately. I had to love myself before I loved anybody else. So the three misconceptions of love we find often. Real love, and this is what people will say, real love comes from a feeling. I've already covered that. We know that's not true. Nothing wrong with feeling um, affection and love and all the gooey parts. That's awesome. I love that part, but that's not how it begins. And if you don't do it the right way, all the gooey parts go away real, real fast. Right? Anybody who's been there, you know. Real, here's another misconception. Real love comes from approval. That's the other thing is I, if I can just get someone to like me. I don't know if you've come across this yet, but most people don't like you because they don't know you, right? They don't like themselves, so they don't like anybody else either. That's the, that's the world we live in constantly. And it makes it difficult to love people when they don't love themselves, right? Because what, what's happened so often is they can't even get their own approval let alone the approval of the world or those around them. Another one, misconception, is real love comes from effort. If I just try harder, I work and I do it, I'm going to go after it, I'm going to serve, I'm going to go, and you do all those things, and then you don't see it come back in, in reciprocal love, and then, then you begin to build resentment. And you see this in relationships all the time. And so the resentment begins to build because it's like, how come you're not loving me back? And let me just go back to this. How, how often do we look at God and go, God, it, you love everybody whether they love you back or not. You sent your son for everyone, whether anybody ever would receive him or not, right? And, and that teaches us again how to do this well. So real love is accepted, it's not earned. You cannot earn love from God. You can't earn love from yourself because you see yourself and the brokenness that's inside of you. You definitely can't earn love from other people. You just can't do it. So what does that look like? Love is accepted. God said, I'm going to love you. You don't have to do anything for me to do this. And I will show you first that I love you. And then if you really understand that, you will love me back. And in so many ways, that's how it works with loving myself and then how it works with loving other people. When I recognize the great love God has had for me, it makes me love him. He loved us first. I love him next. And then I, I learned to love myself because I see the value he has in who I am. Not my behavior, but my identity. I am a much-loved son regardless of my behavior. Now, if I learn this love, it's interesting how quickly my behavior begins to, to reflect the love that's been given to me. 
But it's the same way in loving people who don't know Christ. How do we love someone who is not like us, who is selfish and who are all those things? And if you're loving them, expecting something in return, you're often not going to get it because, again, they can't even love themselves, let alone love anybody else because they're so broken. So how do you do it? You love unconditionally, expecting nothing in return. And the way you love them shows them how God has loved you and how God loves them. And then it begins to happen. That's how I learned it. Somebody loved me before I could even love myself. Before I was lovable, somebody loved me. So at DCF, we say this when when we ask you to join the church. We say, we disciple to your identity, not to your behavior. Why? Anybody, we have any parents in here? You ever try to parent a, church, a, a, a child, especially somewhere between one and three? <laughs> Do, if you discipled them or parented them according to they, their behavior, you would take them back to the Walmart with the receipt and get a new one, wouldn't you? Right? Would you do that? I would totally. I'm like, I kept my receipt. You even say it. I kept my receipt. Don't push me. Right? <laughs> so what do you do? You look at them and something inside, again, healthy parents, and we all have moments, I get it. But healthy parents look at that child and go, I know who they're supposed to be, and I'm part of them finding out their identity because they have no idea. Isn't it interesting? You're holding a baby. You, we've all done this. You're holding a baby, and the baby decides and recognizes, you know what? I have a will of my own. Can't walk, can't talk, but they can arch their back, can't they? It's like, Bleh! Me, right? <laughs> everything's about me. Give me, 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 me. And I cr- everything, crying, everything's about me. And I'm like, do you know how needy you are? And the answer is no, they don't. So you have to teach them. You have to train them. But at some point, you see this kid and you go, this kid is a leader. And if I don't get a hold of this gift in their life and point it in the right direction, they're probably going to grow up to be Hitler right? I, I caught the, the twos, we, we call it Osama bin Toddler, because they're like little terrorists that have nothing in mind except their own desires, right? And, but what happens is, as they are loved well and challenged, you know, you, you still have to put guardrails, something changes in who they are, and all of a sudden, they begin to reflect the identity you've spoken to them. How many of us, especially as, as, as men, Our dads did not do a good job of telling us who we really were in our identity, especially when we weren't reflecting it back. They'd say, you know, you are, they'll say something like, you know what, you are, and they say something not helpful, whatever that looks like. You you just are so, oh my God. And and all you hear is the frustration. All you hear is, this is my behavior. And you want, and then you try hard to, to get their approval and they don't give it, and then you get resentful, and then you become your father. And that's what you do to your kids. But if your father loves you well, you throw a hissy fit, and you lose your ever-loving mind, and they look you right in the eye and go, I don't really like your behavior right now, but I love you. I love you. Dude, that is not who, I say this to my nephews all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not who you are. And they're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's totally right. Uh, I don't know how to change that, but... <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, that's not who I am. And what happens is they begin to live into the identity that you give them, good or bad. And the people around you are the same. If you meet someone and they're all kinds of broken and all you ever do is talk about them or even to them about their brokenness, you have identified them as their brokenness. And that's not how God does it. Not how he did it with me. Not how he did it with you. He's not how, it's not how we ought to do it. So that leads us, obviously, to loving others. So what does this look like? First John 
4-7, you want to learn about love? Read the love chapter. John said, I was, I was Jesus' favorite disciple. Like, he literally, literally said that, right? So he was young, so we understand it. But he literally said, yeah, I'm, I'm his favorite. And, and all throughout Scripture, he talks about how he would lean on the breast of Jesus like all the other disciples were over there, whatever. But me, I'm hanging with Jesus. I'm, I'm the closest one, right? <laughs> Which may have been true. I don't know. But here's what it says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. So here's the command that's not an Old Testament command. It's built from the understanding of because we've been loved, we can love, right? So we always talk about this in the New Covenant. God gives us commands, but he never gives us a command without the ability that he also gives us to fulfill that, right? Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Why? Because love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. He doesn't just do it as an action. He doesn't just do it as a feeling. It is literally his identity in our lives. He goes on, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So he's displayed his love for everyone to see. Nobody doubts this. This is real love. And he defines it. Not that we have loved God but that he loved us first and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then he says this, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. So what is he saying? He's saying when it's difficult to love yourself or to love others, how do you get past that? If someone wrongs you, this is something we have to teach about all the time in church world because we get this wrong. How do you love someone who has wronged you? Especially like betrayed or relationship or what? How do you continue to love when someone has broken trust and violated, so maybe even abuse? How do you do that? And the answer is you can't love them without, without reflecting on how you have been loved and forgiven. So how do you forgive others? You think about how you've been forgiven. If you concentrate on the betrayal or whatever they did, what will happen is you will hold them in that snapshot and they will never be allowed to change according to you, even if they do. You'll never have a relationship with a, a person who was broken and found Christ and found forgiveness and is growing and finding maturity because you will always hold them in that snap, snapshot of what they did to you. And the only way we get out of that is not reflecting on them or even trying harder, brother. It won't work. It comes back to we have been loved. We have been forgiven, and because of that, guess what? Now you can forgive. And you say, but God, that is really difficult. And then God says, I don't know if you read this scripture. There is nothing too hard for me. For you, yes. And the sooner you figure that out, the more you lean into letting me build that inside of you. And we get that. So we can only release what we have received. You cannot love unconditionally until you have been loved unconditionally. And you can't do this if you haven't. If, again, if, it's, if it hasn't been done for you. And I talked about Karen. We were both selfish. We learn how to love each other after we learned that God loved us and how to love them. So there's a, uh, Mother Teresa, she, she had some incredible quotes. This lady was amazing in a million different ways. But this is what she said one time. It was so amazing. She said, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. Isn't that powerful? I mean, if you know what she did, um, just the way she served. She's one of the most selfless people recognized all over the world, no matter what religion. Even, the, you know, everybody recognizes that. First Peter 4, 8 describes this in Scripture. Above all, 
So what does that mean? It means in the Greek, above all. It means more importantly than anything else, right? Love each other how? Deeply. Another version says from the heart. Deeply from the heart. Because love covers a multitude of sin. So what, how do, what does that look like? That's why we talked about we disciple towards your identity, not your behavior. We have people come into DCF, and I remember this is how I came in. And I came in, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I, I didn't know much about God, but I knew he didn't like me cussing. So I can't cuss in front of my Christian friends. That, that's how I loved them. <laughs> and they all saw right through it. They're like, you're broken, and, and you know, you may as well cuss. Like, I, it's not good, but I'm just saying the, the, what was in my heart was coming out my mouth. Do you find yourself doing that? What comes out? Do you, grumblings and complainings and irritation with other people's behavior. Irritation with your own. Why can't I grow? Why can't I, get, why, why can't I love God the way he wants me to love him? Do we go after that? And again, 1 Peter says, above everything, love each other deeply. Why? Because love, love covers a multitude of sins, and it talks about offering hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know why you do that? Because when you offer hospitality, sometimes people don't know how to go home. Anybody ever been there? It's like, here's your hat. What's your hurry, right? I'm <laughs> you know, we say it here when we're trying to get rid of you guys on a Sunday morning. I love it. Everybody wants to hang around here. And today you need to because we're doing the Friendsgiving thing. Hang around forever. It's, it's awesome. But at some point we have to lock the doors and go home ourselves. And so we say what people say at the bar. We're like, you do not have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> and so, so the Bible says offer hospitality without grumbling. In other words, do an action and check your heart. So how do you know if you're doing it well? You grumble. So how do you quit grumbling? You go back and you look at your own heart and go, how can I love people that maybe aren't as lovable as they should be or could be and whatever? How do I do that? And the answer is you can't, have, you can't expect anything in return. Listen, before I go any further, you still have boundaries, right? So I talked about you can belong before you believe or, you, or behave. But depending on what kind of behavior, if you walk in naked, we're going to go, listen, <laughs> That's fine in your own shower, running around the house all day long, but we got kids in here, so we're going to check that behavior because it's a little bit too much. Y'all understand, there are, there are healthy boundaries. But what we're saying is you, if we do that where we make it about people's behavior, then what we do is we create religious devils like the Pharisees who are beautiful on the outside, but inside they're full of death. And that's what Jesus was so angry about. And the church teaches that so often. It's like, you come in here, you better shine up. You better do the right thing. And we don't ever say that. Well, some churches do, but we don't necessarily say it. We just kind of, you know, you know, close our eyebrows a little bit and look at you with, you know, with angry eyes, right? That's how we do it. Whatever, we, we influence you and manipulate you, but we don't challenge you. And, and it's difficult because we're having to build a relationship and go, and go after and go, hey, man, I don't know why you're doing that for, but that's not who you are. When's the last time someone said that to you, Right? It's different because it's like, hey, your behavior's not okay, but let's talk about why you're doing it because you're all kinds of broken and Jesus wants to heal you. That's the good news. So let me just give you a few ways to build friendship with God because, again, building friendship with God is how all of this is released into our life, to love ourselves and to love others. First of all, just make time to draw close to him. Exodus 33, um, it said, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. You know why? Because he would go away and be with him. Time spent equals relationship built. There's no way around that. My wife reminds me of that all the time. And time spent is not time spent if you're looking at your phone. My wife also tells me that. I tell her too because she gets on Facebook. That's another story. <laughs> Especially when she's not here. Discover what's on his heart. God, what are you interested in? You know what? It's so interesting. He, he's told us. He, he wrote this best-selling book. You can get it online. It's, I mean, there are people who give it away to you for free. 
All you got to do is read it. I don't know if I have time to read scripture. You do not, not have time to read the Bible. Why? Because it's expressing who God is, his character, his nature. And it's not a rule book. You know why it's not a rule book? Because he doesn't want rules. He wants a relationship. It's love letters. It's history. It's stories. Why? Because he's trying to show you who he is and how he reacts and how he relates to people. And it's a whole book, not just a piece of it. So another way is trust his corrections. It's so amazing. There, there's this Proverbs 27, 9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. The re- rebuke of a wise man is like a kiss on the lips. I remember one time uh, in Bible college, one of the professors came to him, and he's trying to be kind. In, I, I was mid-20s, so give me grace. But he was trying to be kind to me, and he kept saying some things, trying to bring some correction to my life. He was trying to do it with encouragement, and I was totally not letting him do it. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) He slams his hand down on the table, scared the living bejesus out of me. And he said, you don't know, which is why I'm trying to tell you. So shut up and listen. And in my head, that scripture went through like a scroll. And it said, you have just been kissed. I'm like, didn't feel like a kiss. (laughs) But it was. You know why? Because I still remember that graphically now. I wish I would have let him rebuke me with kindness, but I would not allow it. And thankfully, he was bold enough because we had relationship, and he loved me enough to risk his relationship with me. Now, he did it well, and he, he'd gone the, the whole route to get to that. He didn't start with the rebuke. Helpful. Right? We learned how to do this. So, but my point is, it was so amazing that he loved me deeply, and because of that, he, was, he wasn't afraid to rebuke me. So trust God's correction And often God's correction comes from a friend. And if you don't have any friends, you're not going to get any correction. And I don't mean the friends on Facebook. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about, right? What's the other one? Obey him. That seems simple, but it's so profound. Jesus said it this way. You are my friends if you do what I tell you. So he's combining friendship and kingship in the same sentence. He says, you know what? I love, I want, long to be your friend. And he even said at one point, he said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. He was saying, I am the God of the universe. And my greatest desire is not just to get you to do what I say, but to get you to be in relationship so you want to do what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying to do, my commandments, Scripture says this over and over, they are life to you. They're God's ways and understanding that. But if you try to start with the commandments and not the friendship, all you ever become is a religious, angry Pharisee who resents everybody, including yourself. And it's not helpful. So let me close. Matthew 22, again. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So this, we, say, we talk about this all the time. Jesus talks about loving God with everything that's in you. But here's what you need to understand. It's still the law. And listen to what Paul said about the law in Galatians 3.23. Before faith came, remember old covenant, new covenant. Before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. So it's talking about the purpose of the law, the rules that God's saying, you must do this. You know, the Ten Commandments, do, do not do this, do this, right? He says, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, 
kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. In other words, the law challenged us. And it was, he goes on to say, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. Another place, I don't have time to get in it. No one has ever been justified by the law. And James goes after this in a big way. I didn't put this up here, but James basically says, if you had offend in one point of the law, you have broken the entire law. So what was the point of the law? The point of the law was to show you that you cannot follow the law. <laughs> and it's, and we, we're like, yeah, but I, I'm going to put the Ten Commandments and, you know, the sign in front of in my yard, and I'm going to vote that we keep the Ten Commandments in, in, the, you know, in the courthouse, and I, I'm all for the Ten Commandments. Actually, there's a whole lot more, so you might want to look into those. But I'm all for the commandments, except for the commandments have a use, and the use of the commandments to show you you couldn't follow the commandments. So let's not take them out of the courthouse. Let's teach them. Let's do all of that. But remember, it's only part of what God's trying to show you. You can't do it yourself. You, you are so selfish. You are so about you that you cannot do what I'm saying, even though you might say in your head that you believe in me and you, want, you won't obey me. And my commandments are life. Why? Because when, we, when Adam broke the commandment, the Bible says that God would walk with him in the cool of the day. He was friends with Adam and Eve, and he walked with them, hung out with them in the cool of the day. It's like they were tailgating, okay? You want to tailgate with God, that's what that looked like. And after all that, people said, I'll approach him through rules and regulations. In every religion, including Judaism and Christianity and all of the others, all of them try to fulfill the commandments so that God will be pleased with them. And it's actually the opposite. God is pleased with you. And when you understand that and let him change you, then you can fulfill the commandments. Let me give you an example. I love my wife, contrary to some of the snarky remarks I've made today. So I, <clears throat> but if I want to keep from have, you know, committing adultery on my wife, here's what you do. It's just, you can do this too. You put a, the scripture, thou shalt not commit adultery on your, you know, on your window in the morning while you're brushing your teeth. And then you put it on your phone as a screensaver. And then, you know, from time to time, you check it during the day. And as you're driving to work, you say, I, I cannot commit adultery on my wife today. I cannot do it. I will not commit adultery on my wife. And if you do that, guess what you're thinking about all the time? Right? But if I just love my wife deeply, even if the opportunity presents itself, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to fulfill the commandment of thou shalt not commit adultery, not because of the rule but because of my love for my wife. And that's what God's trying to teach us. If you will love God, let him love you, let him change you from the inside out, when you do that, you will be able to love yourself and you're going to be able to love other people. So, 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. Gets right to the point. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and his sister. It starts with God, not us. Self-care, love cannot begin somewhere outside of the source of all love and God is love. And when we get it right, we begin to love ourselves and we begin to work through. Maybe your dad said some things he shouldn't have said and he tried to define you by your behavior when your behavior was because of your brokenness. 
And then what, without realizing it, you can put on a picture outside of the world, but in, internally you are still defined by the brokenness or the broken, brokenness in your own life or the brokenness that was done to you. I cannot tell you how many times I've prayed with people, times I've prayed with people who have been either physically or emotionally or even sexually abused by someone in authority, especially a father or an uncle or something like that. Why would the enemy do that? Takes another person's brokenness and out of that evil, he breaks you too. Where does that end? Because it will keep duplicating itself perpetually until there's a break where God comes and says, I'm going to love you the right way. I'm going to show you what real love is. And once you see that, you can let go of all of the lies about who you are not or who you are because of your behavior. And God begins to speak to your identity and says, this is who I say you are, and if I am for you, who can be against you? Amen? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to close. And we're going to eat some good food. And for all you haters out there, I just want to remind you, this sermon was under 40 minutes. I just want to... I I know, you're welcome. Part of that's because I'm hungry. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Look, I, I just, I love what God's doing in all of us. And as we move forward in the future, God is saying, I want you to reach people. And the only way we're going to love broken, hurting people out there is if we get this internally inside of us. And as we do, people are going to, God's going to send us broken, hurting people, and that's okay. They will overwhelm us if we think we're the answer to their problem. But if we know that God in me is the answer to their problem, then, then we're going to see breakthrough. We're going to see testimonies. It's going to be an exciting time. So I'm thrilled. We're going to see God do some great things. Let me pray for us. So Jesus, we just come and say, first of all, thank you, Lord that you showed us your great love by coming, Lord, fulfilling the law on our behalf, Lord. You did it all perfectly. And then, Lord, you turned around and through the cross, you offer that as a gift to us, that we can have your righteousness, not try to earn our own or try to do it in our own strength. And, Lord, because of that, it changes our heart. It changes our nature. It makes us into a new person. Our spirits come alive, Lord, and then we we enjoy this incredible journey that you draw us into. Lord, I pray that you would do that. Lord, this morning, would you take the words I've said and would you just pierce people's hearts, push past the the shells, Lord, that we put up sometimes that try to protect ourselves. Lord, break through into all that. Lord, bring vulnerability, bring openness, bring raw emotion even, Lord, but bring change and bring transformation because you are so good at that. And Lord, we love you for who you are and love you because you loved us first and it makes us want to love one another better. In your name we pray, amen. As we close, uh, we put up on the screen every week uh, words of knowledge as we were praying in our time of prayer that would resonate with you guys. We're asking, Lord, give us what you're saying to the people who are gonna be here today and potentially who will see it online. And so if any of these resonate with you, our ministry team is gonna be up front. As a matter matter of fact, you guys can come on forward. Our team is here to pray for you. So before we go out and have a good time with Friendsgiving and Fram Jam, whatever we're calling this thing, would you maybe take a moment and see if any of those resonate with you? Or if you have a need at all that isn't even up there, would you come and allow us to love on you well? Amen? And have a wonderful, wonderful week. And again, hang around for Friendsgiving and eating and having a good time. We love you guys, and we'll see you next Sunday.